Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, so I have an announcement to make. And that is, this is my last public presentation. The Lord told me this is it. I'm this from this day forward. I am retired, and uh, and there's a reason for that. One is a couple reasons. One is the Apostle Paul said he had finished the work he was given to do, and he was ready to go home. But he said, "I'm being left here, so you don't grieve too much." Yeshua said in John 17, "I finished the work you gave me to do. I told him everything you told me." All right, some of us old guys, the, the next generation doesn't have a chance because we're still standing in their way. And, and Pastor Vic and his wife are going to take the gospel in ways that we, our generation never could. So my job now is to support the next generation and pray and give and, and encourage, right? But that means I have to go from being a speaker to a listener. And that's going to be the message today, transitioning from speaking to listening. My latest book is called Prepared to Rule and Reign with Yeshua. All right? You know the Bible says we're going to rule and reign with him. If he came back tomorrow, are you ready to be a ruler and to reign with him? All right? What's the difference between being an elder and just getting old? Preparation. Elders are people who are prepared. Everybody else just gets old. You can't rule and reign with Yeshua without preparation. Uh, we're all sitting here trying to make it to the next year. He's trying to get us to make it to the next 10,000. So I'm going to share something out of this book today. After, after the close of my sermon, this book is going to, well, you can come get it now, Dick. They've hosted me out here several times now during AFN, and they let me drive this pickup that has all kinds of political ads on it and stuff and so I got a lot of uh, one-fingered peace signs this week while I was driving around Anchorage <laughs> and uh, so I had to wave back at him you know <laughs> go see Dick call Dick don't call me <laughs> I don't know who these people are on the side of this truck <clears throat> I think they owe me money I don't know. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, okay, so I'm going to try and climb this mountain. Uh, yeah. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> I'll give you a massage right when you sit down. <laughs> you want to lower it?
So a couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with esophageal cancer, and uh, I went to the U University of Southern California Medical Center in San Diego, and they took my esophagus out, and they took a half of my stomach out, and then they pulled up what was left of my stomach and made a new esophagus out of it, but I'm alive. But they did a lot of internal damage, which is why it's so hard for me to get up and down. Uh, just that pulling on the spaces there. So not asking for your pity, just your support. Um, I don't know why they keep putting these there. I don't get that. There's nothing on it, you know. What? <laughs> Could at least put some notes, you know. Yeah. Say this, say this. So I wrote this song many years ago called An Anthem in Praise of Israel, The Defeat of the Amalekites and the Fall of the Walls of Jericho. So, long title, but it goes like this. Now I just need some lyrics. <laughs> Vic, you could write that song too, you know. You know, we natives, you know, when we're young, we're considered ignorant, uneducated savages. But when we get old, everybody comes to us for our wisdom. It's like, what's wrong with you? But we do have some native wisdom, like, you know, you never judge anyone until you've walked a mile in their mucklucks, right? But you don't know what the wisdom is. Here's the wisdom. That way you'll be a mile away when you have their mucklucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys get all religious and think the moral is about judging other people. No, it's about getting new mucklucks. So the lower 48 natives, you know, they say if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, and you teach him how to fish, you feed him for the rest of his life. So we in Nupiat, we have an Alaska corollary to that, that if you light a fire, you heat a man for a day. But if you light that man on fire, you heat him for the rest of his life. <laughs> it's not right, but it's funny. Yeah, so I could go on like that for hours, but I won't. Because it doesn't really pay very well. <clears throat> There's a song I wrote way back when I, I was a hippie. Just came to the Lord during the Jesus People movement, if some of you are old enough to remember that. We were all long-haired hippies. And those doctors in San Diego took my hair away. But that's all right. You don't have to have hair to go to heaven, right, Pastor Mark? <laughs> yeah, so it's good. But now I only have to buy one bottle of shampoo a year. That's it. <laughs> so here's a little song I wrote. I hope, I hope you enjoy it. I heard the wild geese flying It made me think of Yah What a mind it must have taken To think a bird into existence 
I can't imagine heaven's beauty makes me want to cry. I want to see you on his throne. I want to shake the hand that once was nailed to the cross. I want to go home. I want to go home. Someday I know it's going to happen. And that day may be soon. I'm going to spread my wings like an eagle flies. I'm going to meet him in the clouds. I'm going to fly, going to meet my Savior in the sky. I know I won't be alone. For all who loved him and served him and trusted in his sacrifice, we're all going home. Get this now. We're all going to Nome. I heard the wild geese flying. Made me think of y'all. What a mind it must have taken to think a bird into existence. I can't imagine heaven's beauty makes me want to cry. I want to see y'all on his throne. I want to shake the hand that once was nailed to that cross. I want to go home. I want to go Thank you very much. Lived five years in Nashville, and that's all I learned while I was there. It's been a wonderful time serving the Lord in this way for 50 years. So this is my jubilee. And all the debts are can canceled. I don't owe the kingdom anything except to continue to love and honor and support the body of Messiah. But it's been a joy. Even with all the struggles, it's been a great honor and a great privilege and it's been a it's been a tr tremendous uh, gift to go all over the world, and when you speak uh, or teach, and you see the lights come on in their eyes. Wow, you know what a great gift that is to see that. That's better than any of the offerings. Of course, you can't use those to pay your bills, but in terms of personal satisfaction, that's the greatest gift, is understanding that people are seeing into the kingdom things they've never seen before. It's wonderful. So I want to talk about transitioning from speaking to listening. We have grown up in a culture of speakers. All my ministry life, well, let me put it this way. Only two times have I ever been introduced as a special listener. All the rest of the times I was introduced as a special speaker. That's just our culture. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just kind of what we've gotten used to, that the guy up front is going to be the speaker. 
And we don't question if he's a listener. Because if he's not a listener, we shouldn't be listening either. So I want to talk about that and share some scriptures with you. You can turn to them, or but you don't have to. I think I will begin with uh, Isaiah 55. It's an interesting uh, kind of revelation in this scripture. It begins with the whole idea of come and buy. And uh, he, he tells us in the first two verses that you can buy without money and without price. That is a very strange economy. If you went down to uh, cars or your local Fred Meyer one day and you went in and they had removed all the price tags from everything and when you brought your cart up to the front, they said, yeah, and we're, we're not taking any money. You'd, we'd all be confused. What, how, do we get, how do we get this food? And how do we know what to pay for it? You took all the price tags away. So immediately, Yahweh is introducing us to a new economy, a kingdom economy, that you get the stuff, but there's no price tag and there's no currency. Well, there is a currency. I'll share what it is in a moment. But it's not the currency we're used to. Then he asks a really important question. Why would you spend money for certain things that don't satisfy. They don't fill you up. They don't satisfy. You just want more. So last night, when you and I went to bed, about a billion children went to bed hungry. Two billion Obese people went to bed at the same time. Why do we spend money for that which doesn't satisfy? It's an interesting question. We each have our own answers for that. Now, he goes on to say interesting things. He says three different Hebrew words. He says, listen, hear, and incline your ear. Now, in English, that would sound like synonymous words, but in Hebrew, they are three different words with three different meanings. So he's emphasizing something significant here. He's introducing the currency of the kingdom. And that is hearing, listening, and inclining your ear. All right? Is becoming a listener instead of a speaker. If you do that, you can buy what satisfies without price and without money. Then he goes on to tell us about this whole concept of being listeners. And he says, we ought to turn from our wicked way. Now, that verse isn't giving to us the concepts of morality, that kind of wickedness. This is spiritual wickedness. This is working for God without listening to God. That is wickedness. And it actually is a foundation for religion. Isn't it amazing how much we can accomplish without God? In the name of religion? Turn from your wicked ways. Don't you understand my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways?
Then he says, if you will do this, I'll make uh, something out of you. I, I will confirm it with the sure mercies of David. David. And he says, I'm going to have witnesses and leaders and rulers. Well, what are those? Well, they're all the people in this room. A witness is simply someone who tells the truth about what they've seen and heard. If you see a car accident, they take you into court. They don't ask you how you're feeling that day, what the weather report was, what do you think about the Seattle Seahawks? No, they ask you, what did you see and hear? That's it. No more, no less. When he told us to be witnesses, we don't have to go out and make stuff up about Yeshua or Yahweh or the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. You don't have to make up anything. Just tell people what you've seen and heard. That's it. You'll be his witness. Now, a leader is a witness who tells what they've seen and heard in such a way that other people follow them. If you think you're a leader and you turn around and no one's following, you're just going for a walk. And we've got a lot of those in America, people who think they're leaders. A ruler is a different category entirely. It's a witness who tells the truth about what they've seen and heard, not only in such a way that people follow them, they tell it in such a way and live it in such a way that the people want to follow their example. You know, in the days when the white man can't, oh, I can't say a white man, that's politically incorrect. Um, when the pigmentally challenged people came, <laughs> uh, they, used, they introduced us to the word chief. But there was two different meanings involved. For them, it was rulership. For us, it was head servant. You see the difference? And so there was always this cultural conflict because uh, you read the old stories about when these people would go in and meet the chief and they actually never met the chief. They usually met the chief's son. And the chief would sit in the shadows and listen and watch the body language. And then he'd tell the son, don't sign that treaty. You're, He's not, tell, he's not telling the truth. So, if you want to be a chief in your heart, you, you can do it one way or you can do it the native way. You could become a head servant. In any case, the witnesses and leaders and rulers will be embedded in the covenant of David, a kingdom that will never end. Now, he goes on to say, in the same way that the rain and snow, and I, I'm glad he put snow in there for us in Alaska. Um, As the rain and snow come down from heaven, so my word goes forth out of my mouth and will not return void, but will accomplish everything that I've sent it to do. Now, the word word there is the Hebrew word Torah. And the word Torah is the foundational word for coming down from above. That's why he uses the terms rain and snow. As the rain and snow coming down, like Torah came down to the mountain, right? Came down to Moses. Like rain and so, so my word will go forth out of my mouth. But what word is that? That's the question. What word is coming out of his mouth? And I'll tell you what it is. He's saying this in the context of this chapter. He's saying, I am going to have witnesses. I am going to have leaders. I am going to have rulers. 
and they're all going to have one singular thing common amongst all of them. They're all listeners instead of speakers. They have joined the economy of heaven. They can buy without price and without currency. Now, the kingdom of heaven currency is a four-letter word called time. If you're going to become a listener, it takes time. So let's check out our schedules right now, huh? Everybody take out your phone and open it up to your calendar. Is there any time in there for being a listener? Oh, you didn't think you had to schedule that? You were just going to fit it in at the red lights? Hope he talks fast before it turns green? It's different, but he offers his wonderful promises that if you'll become a witness and a ruler and a leader as a listener, he says that the mountains and hills will break forth before you with joy. And all the trees will clap their hands. And he says, instead of the myrtle, or instead of the briar, the myrtle tree will come up. Well, the myrtle tree is a fruit-bearing tree. The briar is the Hebrew word for kings of the earth. The kings of the earth. They're considered briars, thorn bushes. I'm not going to condemn any of you for getting involved in politics, but I am going to remind you that above that, you're already a citizen of heaven. And don't get caught in the thorn bushes of this earth, it's a thicket. Take part of the myrtle tree, the fruit. And instead of another kind of thorn bush, he says, you'll be an evergreen. Your leaves will never turn and fall. So even though this is my retirement celebration, I'm going to still be an evergreen. It'll just come in a different form, in books in paintings. I'll continue in the kingdom, but only if I'm a listener. Now, let's ask ourselves, was Yeshua a listener? And I use his Hebrew name because as a native, I know what it means to have my name changed. I won't elaborate on that, but you can think about it. Was Yeshua a listener or a speaker? Wow. Did he come to be a speaker or a listener? Well, let's look at it. We won't go through every verse, but 11 times in the book of John... He says, the words I speak aren't mine. I only speak what I hear. The doctrines aren't mine. They're from the Father. Given them to me <coughs> to give to you. Eleven times he says that in different ways. He's saying, I'm not a speaker. I'm a listener. I want you to understand that during his earthly lifetime... Yeshua never said anything original. If you see somebody say something and it says the sayings of Jesus, not true. He only spoke what he heard. Whatever he spoke came from Abba, came from the Father. In fact, twice in the book of John he says this, I have much to say. 
but I'm not going to say it. Now, all of us could say that in this room. We're Americans. We have much to say. In fact, we've gone all over the world to say it. Right? You can check your missions budget for that. We raised up generation after generation of speakers and supported them to go everywhere and speak. Because we have much to say. And we're going to say it. Let me remind you, you won't be remembered for your opinions. You'll be remembered for your wisdom. And silence is a great, the greater part of wisdom. So 11 times Yeshua says, I'm not saying anything original. Two times in two different verses, he says, I have a lot of original things to say, but I'm not going to say them. And he even says about the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit in John 13. When he comes, he will only speak what he hears. Actually, it's the feminine verb there. Only she, a feminine noun, only she will speak what she hears. So what happened to all those original things that Yeshua had to say? Well, it's an amazing thing, an amazing thing. He says in Revelation chapter 10 that the spirit of prophecy are the words of Yeshua. In other words, all the things Yeshua was going to say, he's saying them through you and me. Now, how much does listening mean if we're going to be trusted to speak only that which we hear from Yeshua, from the Yeruach? Are you going to add to it when you hear his word? Are you going to take it away? Or are you going to speak the truth in love? Don't judge anyone until you've walked a mile in their mucklucks. So in the church, the Western church, we have taught people that it's okay to judge others. Our church has just a little more tr truth than the church down the street. And if those people understood that, they'd leave there and they'd come here. You don't know who it belongs to him. He knows who belongs to him. I don't judge anyone any longer for their expression of faith. I don't care if it's the wildest Pentecostals all the way to the most conservative high church people. This is not my body. This is his body. And he wants some wild characters in it, and he wants some really nice conservative characters in it. He wants all of them and loves all of them and looks forward to meeting with all of them. So how do we become these listeners? Well, we have to go to something that recently occurred. It's called Yom Kippur. All right? These are the feasts of the Lord. They're not the feasts of Israel. He told us to keep the feasts forever. One of them is Yom Kippur. We know it in common westernness as the Day of Atonement. But the word Kippur... Yom is the Hebrew word for day. Kippur means to cover. Now, you've seen the Jewish men wear this little thing on their head called yarmulke, but they refer to it as a kippah. 
It comes from the word kippur, means to cover. But the word kippur in Hebrew doesn't mean to cover the head. That just means you're a man of prayer. All right? I'm not wearing one because I don't want to be a man of prayer. I want to be a man of answered prayer. That's what I want him to put on my gravestone if I have one. He wasn't a man of prayer. He was a man of answered prayer. You see the difference? Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not telling you to stop praying. I'm telling you to live the kind of life that gets those prayers answered. Now, the word kippur in Hebrew is to cover the mouth. Now, let's go back to the day, the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. It's the most awesome day in the Hebrew culture. Even to this day, it's the most solemn assembly, even in Israel. Back in the day when they had a temple, the high priests would dress in those special garments for that day. The special sacrifices would be made. All the shofar blowers, 120 of them, would be ready with their shofars. A million or more adults would come, stand before the big open space in front of the temple. A high priest would come out. They would take the sacrifices. They would catch the blood. The high priest would go in to the holy place. It's called the, in Latin, it was called the profanum. It's, uh, fane in Latin is holy. Profane was before the holy. Uh, in our culture, we've made the word profane be a person who swears. No, it's a person who is doing things that are outside the holy, before the holy. That's why Esau is called a profane man. He, as a Hebrew, he was supposed to be a, a fane man, a holy man. But he was a profane man because he kept just outside of that which is holy. Don't become a profane perso person. He has made a new and living way all the way into the holy of holies for us. Why do we continue to stand outside on the other side of the line and be profane people when he's called us to be holy even as he's holy? The high priest would go and he'd be translated into the most holy place. There wasn't an opening in that curtain. The church doesn't realize this, but every year on Yom Kippur, there was a miracle of translation. The high priest would be translated in there. Uh, Abba would meet them there at the Ark of the Covenant, and he would have the smoke fill the place so the high priest wasn't overcome by fear. And he would place the offering of the blood on the mercy seat and then wait. Well, in that culture, no news was good news. Because if the offering was accepted, it meant that Abba had kippured them. Instead of speaking against the sins of the nation, he let the blood do the speaking. And he kippured himself. And the people waited and told of silence when the high priest came back out and there was no word of indictment or judgment, the million of people would fall on their faces on the ground. The 120 shofar blowers would blow the trumpets. Blow the trumpets in Zion. And when the trumpets were done, the people would get up and dance and they'd dance the rest of the night till morning because they had been set free by silence. Let's look for a moment at John chapter 8. There's a woman that's brought to Yeshua, and these men accuse her of being caught in the very act of adultery. 
And it's kind of an interesting story because it kind of shows the misogyny even of that, of that time. Because Moses wrote in the Torah that if you have a situation like that, you have to bring the man and the woman. All right? So they throw this woman naked at his feet. He probably covered her with his tallit, his prayer shawl, so cover her nakedness and her shame. And these religious guys start quoting to Yeshua, the Torah made flesh. How's that for arrogance? How's that for being a speaker instead of a listener? Well, Yeshua is not a speaker. He's a listener. So he just bends down and writes on the ground. And all these years, all these years, I've heard all these preachers say, we don't know what he wrote on the ground. Well, that's because they never read the Old Testament. The Old Testament tells you what he could write on the ground and what he couldn't write on the ground. Moses said that if you bring somebody and you accuse them of adultery, it cannot only be verbally, it also has to be in writing. So what choice did Yeshua have to do? He didn't come to destroy the Torah. He said five times, I have not come to destroy it. I've come to enforce it. That's the Hebrew word they transferred fulfill. In Greek, it's enforce it. How could he enforce that law? By writing it. And he didn't have paper, so he wrote it on the ground. He wrote it in the dust. What are you and I made of? <laughs> He's writing on you today. Then he says, uh, if you're without sin, see, he just made them lawbreakers. By doing the writing, it made them the lawbreakers because they had only verbally accused her, right? So he says, well, any of you guys without sin, go ahead and cast the stone. And this big rock came flying over from the back, landed right at the feet of Yeshua, and he went, Mom... As for my Catholic friends, so they all left. So Yeshua's left there on the ground with this woman, and he just says, "So, where are your accusers? Where, where, where are, where is the prosecutor?" Sir, they've all fled. Now, in English, it says two things that in Hebrew are gestures. But you can't really explain a gesture without using words in our culture. All right? So in our culture, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Those are two Hebrew gestures. When he said, neither do I condemn you, what, what is he doing? Anyone? Then three times he does this. Means we're done here. No condemnation, no sermon, no get your act together, no what were you thinking, none of that. Just And he's done that for every person in this room. Some of you missed it, walking around feeling guilty and full of shame. You know that that particular thing happened 
on a certain day, guess what day? Yom Kippur. He covered his mouth. The Apostle Paul, Rabbi Shaul, said we're to do that. He said, bring every thought into captivity. How do you do that? You don't say it. If you speak it, it's not captive any longer. Anybody ever said anything they wish they hadn't said? And you can't get it back, can you? No matter how much regret you have, <coughs> it ain't coming back. No. So I'm going to do a song in a moment. But I wanted to share something a little bit interesting about COVID. I was walking around uh, during the height of it and down where we live and, and everybody, I was at the post office down there trying to get there early because their lines are amazingly long. But anyway, everybody was wearing a mask and so were the postal people, right? And I looked at it and I'm going, isn't it interesting that a culture that is focused on speakers is now forced to cover their mouths. See, the Jews wouldn't keep the seventh year of the Shabbat for their ground, right? Every seven years, you let, in the Shemitah year, you let the ground lie fallow. They didn't do that. So for every year that they didn't do it, they spent 70 years in captivity in Babylon for it. The land was Shabbated while they were over there with all them. We're all learning with a mask. What we should have been teaching our children and ourselves all along. That the greatest in the kingdom are not the speakers. They are the listeners who have truly listened and have something to say. So I'll end with this short story, then you'll understand what it is. In the Hebrew-Israeli culture, they have this thing called Shema. All right, Shema is a verse that goes, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our Lord is one. All right? And they've turned that into a song that they sing every Friday evening Shabbat or any, any of the feast days. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, Baruch Shem Kevod, Malkuto Leolam Vayed. Hey, wait, they've faced the east towards Jerusalem and they sing that. Beautiful song. Well, the word Shema is also the beginning or a transliteration of that is Shimon. You hear, the, you hear the foundational part there? Now, where was that guy named Peter that I gifted? Peter, all right? So in the Bible... You know, we call him Peter, but it was Simon Peter. Remember that? Well, Simon in Hebrew is Shimon. So his real name wasn't the rock. It was the rock that listens. Now, Shema in Hebrew is a compound married word. In other words, it, it, it means hear, but it, all, but it also means obey. So you don't have to ask people, can you hear the voice of God? You watch them, and if they're doing things that are obedient, you know they are listeners. They can hear. So let's go to the garden. All right, so you have this political high priest. He's not in the family of the Kohenites. 
His name is Caiaphas. He's a political religious ruler. And he knows how to make deals with the Romans. You know? And he's got a servant there named Malchus. Malchus is from the Hebrew word king, Melech. All right? See, you've got a false priest and a false king working together. And they're in the garden. And they come to arrest Yeshua. And he's got some of his disciples there. And Shimon Pater, Simon Peter, takes his sword out and he cuts off the ear of Malchus. Now, in the light of this message, think what was going on here. This is very prophetic. Shimon Peter, Simon Peter, is cutting off the ear of the false kingdom of Israel, saying, you're not Shema. You're not here, O Israel. The Lord your God is one. You've lost your hearing. And I'm going to show that to you. And he cuts off his ear. Is that where the story ends? No. Yeshua picks up the ear and puts it back on. And he's saying prophetically what? I will restore hearing to Israel. I want you to know something. If you are willing to do this, he'll do this. Religion has cut off our ears here in this country. Mostly because we can't hear because of all the speaking that's going on. I'll say it again. If you're willing to do this, he's willing to do this. And you will transition from being a speaker to a listener. And it will make all the difference in your life, in the lives of those around you. This is my day. Today, at this moment, I am transitioning from being a speaker to a listener. And I praise him for this moment, for this day. I praise him. I'm going to go over there. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.